all of us. Everyone at the state's academic medical center. All working together to deliver complete care now and for generations to come. All over the state, including hospital and clinic locations from the Delta to the Gulf Coast. All for one reason, you. The University of Mississippi Medical Center. All for your health. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. for joining us. You're listening to Southern Remedy for Women, where we address issues of health and wellness from a woman's perspective. I am your host, Dr. Michelle Owens, and I am joined in the studio by two lovely ladies, my co-host, Dr. Allie Brown, and Jerusha DeGroote-Stevens, who is a licensed acupuncturist and one of our faves on the show. Um, she is here to talk to us today about acupuncture and to share some of the unique I guess, Western applications of this Eastern um, ancient therapy. Um, so we are so excited to have you guys here. Good morning, Allie Brown. Hey, good morning, Michelle Owens. <laughs> I feel like I haven't seen you in forever. I don't know why that is. I think we didn't see each other last week. That's yeah, why. that's what it is. Which stinks. They say absence makes the heart grow fonder, but I always feel like a sense of longing when we don't get a chance oh to gosh. meet here around these microphones. It's a fact. It's sort of cathartic. She's so uncomfortable with my public display of affection. <laughs> I love to see her squirm when I say <laughs> Yes, I'm just a cold-hearted person. But I appreciate your affection. I, I share this affection for you, Michelle. You know I love you. It's mutual. Ditto. Ditto. And and while we are having our love fest, we mm-hmm. can we can share it, spread a little bit to Jerusha. We're so glad to have love you, you back. Too, Absolutely. Absolutely. So Thanks. glad to have you here. And um, for those of you who have not had the opportunity to um, listen to us when Jerusha has been a guest on our show. She is with Sprouted Heart Acupuncture and Wellness, um, and that is located in the in the Jackson area. We say Jackson metropolitan area, I guess. Um, and so, Jerusha, good morning and welcome. Good morning. Thanks for having me again. I felt like I'd reached a new level of uh, guestship on <laughs> MPB today because I was actually able to walk myself all the way back to the <laughs> studio. Right. And if you've never been here before, you know that it's kind of a big labyrinth. And so I felt like I was like, oh, yeah, I can walk myself back there. You today. are now officially a regular man. Yes. You're yeah, you're regular. definitely a regular. <laughs> yes, lots of fun. Uh, I enjoy being here with you ladies, of course, and reconnecting. Uh, it's been quite some time since I've been on the show. You've had a lot of stuff happen. Well, certainly. I mean, you know, owning a business through a pandemic and um, just living through it with small kids. And um, aside from that, just, you know, getting involved in a satellite clinic that I'm working with uh, Dr. Randy Hines and Dr. Marty Gephardt at Paradigm Beyond Infertility. That's been my new uh, venture to help spread the word about acupuncture inside the wellness clinic next door to Mississippi Reproductive Medicine. And then right down the road, literally a block Mm -hmm. and a half, is my brick-and-mortar 
uh, Sprouted Heart Acupuncture. I've been there almost five years now. And um, I have an associate that works with me. Her name is Bren Graham. She uh, has her doctorate, and she'll have to come on the show sometime. She's really fabulous. And so we are working hard to serve the community, really busy during this time. And, um, you know, stress and pain and infertility have not slowed down during the pandemic. And so we kind of hit the ground running after we opened the clinic back up, and it's been very busy ever since so it's a good thing but it's also letting us know that this had great effect on everybody absolutely and we just really appreciate um the work that you guys are doing to kind of help um i guess alleviate some of the the issues the stress the residual um tensions and other things that are left over from dealing with this pandemic. And I guess they're still ongoing Mm -hmm. um, even. But um, one of the things I thought was really interesting because that was how um, I got connected with you in the very beginning was, um, as everybody knows, I'm an OBGYN um, by training. And one of the things that was really neat to me was that your specific area of interest or focus, although you can provide acupuncture for a variety of different ailments, but one of your specific areas of interest is in the area of infertility. And I thought that this was really fascinating because as a person who is trained in an allopathic medical school, we never really got a lot of education about the application of some um, alternative or complementary therapies um, for a lot of the um, common medical diagnosis and things that we see. So we had like a lot of things. We've had um, Dr. Hines and Dr. Gephardt both here on the show, actually, just the last time we were here together, um, and just kind of talking about how this collaboration that they have through Paradigm Mm -hmm. um, is really helping them to expand opportunities for families who struggle with infertility. Um, And so I I thought it was fascinating just learning about you. And then once I got to meet you and found out what a fantastic human being you are, in addition to being a great acupuncturist, um, and also the information that you gave me about just the process of your walk as an acupuncturist and as a a practitioner, as a clinical practitioner, um, some of the difficulties that you've had practicing in your field and your area and how difficult that has been um, and some of the challenges there. So a truly remarkable story, an incredible person, and we are so glad to have you with us this morning. Thank you. Um, at, At 45 years old, I've been practicing acupuncture now for 18 years, and I feel like I'm, I'm, I'm really getting to a place in my career where the experience and the the wisdom, you know, is is guiding me. And it it was not an easy road. It was not legal for me to practice acupuncture here. We had to get a law passed. I waited tables in the interim. You know, it was a situation where I knew that Mississippi could license acupuncturists, but somebody had to step up to the plate to do it. And um I did that along with my my husband and lots of other practitioners, and we worked together and and made it happen. And here we are, a thriving business. So thanks for all those legislators out there that helped us. So tell us a little bit about um, about Spreaded Heart and and kind of the services that you offer and what you do. Sure. So uh, most of what we do is based on acupuncture. And so people come to us for initial evaluation and treatment and that is where we get to know the patient we find out obviously what's going on with them and and treat them so 
Brown and I are both treating a lot of chronic pain due to musculoskeletal dysfunction, um, you know, things like rotator cuff issues, osteoarthritis of the knee, low back, sciatica. Low back and sciatica are probably the number one reason why people seek acupuncture. And then, um, uh, you know, during my maturation as a practitioner, I had an affinity for the endocrinology and the information surrounding infertility. And so I took a specialization certification called the ABORM, A-B-O-R-M, American Board of Oriental Reproductive Medicine. So that means that I took some extra time and effort to really get up to speed on what my IVF patients and infertile patients were dealing with from the Western side, obviously not nearly as in-depth as an OBGYN, but it helped me understand, you know, medications and protocols and things of that nature. And in the 2000s, there was a lot of research that came out about how acupuncture was helping improve pregnancy rates and, and, um, and live birth rates. And so that kind of propelled me to look more at the evidence-based information on how acupuncture could help. And that's kind of my springboard for helping over at Paradigm. Awesome. Well, I'd like to give the number out. It's one eight seven seven mpb ring That's one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. Our phone lines are open, and I'm sure that there is somebody out there in our listening audience who has a question or a concern. If you've had an acupuncture experience, if you are considering potentially um, undergoing acupuncture and you just don't know what to expect or, or what it's like, please uh, give us a call or you can email us um, at remedy at mpbonline.org. What is your experience with chronic migraines? Have you done a lot of work with Because I, I know several people that just have the hardest time and take all these medications and seek Botox and all this. Do you see many patients with that affliction? Sure. I, I actually feel like I could make a whole practice out of headaches and migraines. I think the statistic is 20% of Americans deal with headaches or migraines. So one in five of us is struggling. And acupuncture is a great way to be able to help a lot of things that contribute to migraines. So three off the top of my head, stress. So certainly when stress is high, people tend to have more recurrence and intensity, quite frankly, of their migraines, uh, hormonal fluctuations. Whenever you are dealing with acupuncture and uh, hormonally influenced headaches and migraines, you can help to regulate those hormones so that uh, as a domino effect, it can help with migraines. Also, things like TMJ is a huge reason that people get headaches, as well as sinus pressure can oftentimes uh, exacerbate or bring on migraine too and so we can also treat the migraine whenever it doesn't have all of these associations but we definitely want to look at tight muscle bands and how those are going to be affecting the head and neck literally because a lot of times when it builds on itself when you get a migraine you tense because you're almost wincing from the pain and it's hard to kind of get out of that pattern and acupuncture can help <clears throat> get out of that pattern of tense muscles it can do anything you know this it's interesting so how exactly so how does it work for the people who are having difficulty understanding the concept of how acupuncture works like for example how 
how does acupuncture help to relieve stress? What is the magic in the Yeah, in it the sounds process. sort of magic and it magical does. and nebulous. And so people say, mm, I'm not so sure. But, and I, I felt the same way sure. until I actually had it myself. It really helped sure. my plantar fasciitis. I, I have remember to say. that. I, I remember, remember it. It was very, along with doing other things. Sure. I stretched, I wore a brace. Um, so it was complimentary. It yep. wasn't like a miracle. I'm not claiming that. But it certainly I felt that it helped a sure. lot. So what what is the mechanism, like like Michelle said, about stress and things like that? Whenever I have a new patient, this is how I f- frame it to them and that acupuncture penetrates the skin and so we're creating a micro injury is what I call it and so your nervous system is very attuned to foreign objects and so what we are doing is we are penetrating the skin and triggering um, blood flow to the area because your body is going to be self-protective and it's going to send blood flow and all the things that we need to heal and defend ourselves are in our blood flow. And so whenever I'm doing work like for infertility, I always do points right over the ovaries and the lower belly and over the uterus so that we can bring lots of blood flow. So that's one arm of how acupuncture works. The, The second prong is with actually, prong, pun intended. <laughs> <laughs> the second prong of <laughs> acupuncture's influence over the body is stimulating the nervous system. And so we have nerves that travel throughout our body, kind of like a highway system. And whenever we give a little stimulus to the periphery or the distal part of the body away from the brain, then it stimulates the nerve in a gentle fashion. And then that sends messages back to the brain that relieve endorphins. So Ooh, endorphins. I like those. Are, those are those are faves. I love endorphins. Yes, okay. and so they are they are a nice natural way to be able to help relax without going on the run. And so you can get endorphins from exercising, which feels great, um, but. Sometimes we need that downtime, too. And so I tell people that this is kind of your grown-up time out. You get to lie down in the dark during the retention time of the needle. So I don't put the needle in and then take it out. I leave it in so that the body can... Uh, I say translate the information and then 25 minutes later I come back and typically people feel a sense of uh, peace or heaviness or sometimes people take a nap remarkably with 20 needles in they'll take a nap and uh, you know wake up or move along feeling uh, refreshed refreshed and ready to take on the world running on the table I love it you can like Take a run without sucking wind in the Mississippi heat and humidity. That's right. I'm loving this. This sounds great. You may not burn as many calories. <laughs> I thought you were going to tell me that there's some way that we could use it for weight loss. I was waiting on that. That was coming up next. Okay, well, um, guys, I think it's time for us to take our first break of the hour. Um, we are here talking about acupuncture. Our phone lines are open, and we will be looking forward to hearing from you coming up after this short break.
This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. Thanks for tuning in. This is Southern Remedy for Women, and today's topic is acupuncture. Yes, we are learning how hundreds of little bitty needles hundreds. can bring you to <laughs> bring you to a place of, of refreshment and um, invigoration. Yes, the endorphin high. Well, those needles are very tiny, right? And hundreds might be little, a lot. Right. That's, <laughs> that is true. That Don't is freak true. people out here. <laughs> For the person who has yet to experience acupuncture. Indeed, right? You can tell I'm the person who hasn't had it at the table because when I said that, everybody looked at me like, wait, what? <laughs> uh, yes. It's all that's hundreds. acupuncture in my mind. That's exactly what that's it is. That's the in acupuncture my mind. in Hollywood. Oh, see there? Yes. And, and that would be my one of my greatest influences. Or yeah. perhaps Kung oh Fu goodness. Panda, because, you know, I know you have children. <laughs> Indeed. That's that's about how it is. There were none in Frozen, however. No, there that's was true. No, there is no acupuncture in Frozen. <laughs> yeah. So I digress. So, yeah, maybe not hundreds. Maybe just, you know, a few. How many on average? Like, what would you say? Oh, I would say around 20. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And they're not hypodermic. No, so no, no. They're, they're tiny. super tiny. I kind of describe them like a cat's whisker. They are not injecting you with anything. They're not withdrawing anything. So I don't need a hollow bore needle. It is just like a filament, almost just enough to stimulate the nervous system. And we are quite sensitive. We don't give ourselves the credit. But, you know, whenever you are avoiding a wreck on 55 Waterworks Curve, it takes a lot of neurological um information to exchange to be able to avoid that and so we are quite sensitive in acupuncture it doesn't take a lot for us to be able to respond to acupuncture and there's no blood involved i mean it must be very rare that you see that someone actually bleeds from acupuncture it's so right, superficial. right maybe one in ten will have a dot of blood but otherwise no no it's very rare to have a, even a trickle yeah yes so we can uh, go to our phone lines. We actually have a caller on the line. So we're going to go to the phones and hear from Wyatt, who's calling from Hazelhurst. Good morning, Wyatt. Good morning. Um, <clears throat> I uh, uh, appreciate the uh, this uh, time. And as somebody who is a little bit uh, uh, suspect, um, I will say that the explanation of how acupuncture works that was given was perhaps the most cogent explanation I've heard uh, so far. I'm sure our host uh, would ag- agree that the advocates of complementary and integrative medicine have been um, wildly uh, successful in um, expanding um, their reach and um, legitimacy in, in healthcare settings. Um, and so if if in turn patients are going to respect that and um, see this as a, a treatment um, option to add on to other treatment modalities, um, I think it's been important to ask the question, particularly in our state, then what are practitioners doing for health equity? So acupuncture is not just something, um, I think it was mentioned as, as like a nice time before needle extraction. It's not just a treatment that's nice for privileged people that have the time and the money to do something that actually benefits their health. So um, that's actually a, a really interesting point and something that I will, I'll have to ask because I'm, I'm not really w- well aware. Is So what exactly is, um, 
when we talk about uptake or utilization of acupuncture, um, you know, we hear a lot about health disparities and, and things that, you know, are barriers for um, health care access. What do you think are some of the greatest barriers to people having access to your services? Sure, I would say, and Wyatt, thank you. I appreciate you bringing this up because this this is an issue in the access to acupuncture. A, I think we only have about 14 or 15 licensed acupuncturists in Mississippi. And so geographically speaking, you know, they're located around the larger cities typically. And so uh, that access, I know the Delta and the coast are almost completely void of acupuncturists. And so we do have people that travel, but those are the people that can travel. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, again, access to healthcare, uh, albeit um, complementary, is still a big divide. Also, honestly, cost, Insurance does not cover acupuncture regularly. It does on occasion. And so we are working to try and help people, at least at my clinic, be able to enjoy their benefits whenever they have them. A typical acupuncture treatment is $150 the first time you see a practitioner and 100 for follow-ups. And that can definitely be a barrier. There are practitioners who have a sliding scale practice. It's a different business model. We do not have that in Mississippi, but they do something called community acupuncture, which is not in a private setting, but you are actually able to receive acupuncture in a community style for a lesser amount. So although we don't have that in Mississippi, we probably will one day. And I think that that will help bridge the gap. So it's kind of like a almost like a group therapy session yep. for acupuncture. Yeah, and it's a little it's a little less thorough, I would say, because it's not in a private setting and but they have uh, those people that choose that business model, those practitioners that choose that business model have found ways to help kind of get around some of that. And um, it's a it's a very interesting way of being able to bring it to people, especially when people are dealing with things like like smoking addiction. Mm-hmm. You need to come and have acupuncture two or three times a week and that can be cost prohibitive, especially in a clinic like mine. And so in a place that has community acupuncture, they are able to go multiple times a week and still be able to afford it. Yeah, and we've seen um, some applications of those types of ideals as it pertains to other areas um, of medicine. And and there are some instances in which um, the the group setting, there are definitely some benefits that come with that, um, even when it comes to the support mm-hmm. that the actual patients themselves, I don't know if you guys call them clients, patients, or what I call have them you, patients, yeah. But, um, but that they themselves get from from that group experience, like the shared group experience. So, you know, you can still have an opportunity to have an individualized treatment, but if it's in a group setting, there are also some additional benefits that have been shown to come from the collective. Um, yes. So I think that's actually pretty, pretty interesting and did not know that existed. Um, so we are going to stay on the phone lines and we're going to hear from Robert, who is calling us from Peru. Good morning, Robert. Hello. I think you might oh, win the award. You might win the award for the longest <laughs> distance being called. <laughs> well, actually, I moved here in November to retire. And in 2017, I had my right knee replaced. Oh. 
And in 2019, I had to have a lateral lift surgery because my kneecap went off to the right outside 90 degrees. I had been seeing an acupuncturist since about 2001 when I ruptured L4 and bulged L5. And within six months, they put me back on my feet. It was truly amazing. Before I left, I asked Frank, who was the acupuncturist, I said, I've had enough of this over the years. Do you think I could acupuncture myself? And he said, sure, you know how to do it. So I had him put black felt dots on my knee. I went to a tattoo artist and had green dots put so I wouldn't lose those spots. My question is, if I go outside of the dots that he put on my knee, I have a lot of IT band issues. Am I doing harm? Well, this is a big question. <laughs> so, Lots to unpack there. <laughs> well, my, my first reaction is, uh, honestly, I'm a little worried because I, as a practitioner who went to school for three plus years to learn how to practice acupuncture, I would be uh, you know, hesitant to advise you to continue only because you can hurt yourself. Okay. So whenever you apply acupuncture okay. to yourself, it's very different than applying it to a person. And um, there are very few instances of episodes where people have had big problems sending them to the hospital with acupuncture. One of them was a death from someone who was giving themselves acupuncture and he went through his sternum into his heart. Okay, so this no. is not something to play around with. And so I do not think that it is a great idea to give yourself acupuncture. I do find it interesting that you went and had the points tattooed on you because that reminds me of the the Iceman that they found in the Swiss mountains. He was a, uh, a mummy. He had been mummified and they found that 3000, 4,000 years ago, this guy had tattooed acupuncture points all over his body from where he likely did these things, uh, to help his own pain many, many years ago. That oh. just reminded me of that. But I, I, I want to say that in general, self-acupuncture, unless you're an acupuncturist, is not advisable. So I don't really know how to answer your question any other way. Okay, each, the needles that I bought come with the sheets where you only can go so deep. Mm -hmm. And I don't, I don't go past that depth. Well, Robert, I'm interested. What are, so since you have, as you have done it, do you notice a difference between what you experienced and how you feel when you were under the care of an acupuncturist versus what you feel or are experiencing um, on your own? Oh, it's exactly the same. The, the relief is just unbelievable. I well, so personally, I thought that was kind of ingenious to go and get the dots tattooed because I was like, "How's he going to be sure that it's the same spot all the time?" I thought that was really cool. Well, but that's why I didn't want to lose them. <laughs> I don't know, but over time, doesn't sense. gravity kind of pull things out? Yeah. <laughs> and and then I think about like over time they might bleed a little bit too, and I, you know the the precision. I, I just have been blown away just looking at the diagrams that acupuncturists use. Um, and I guess 
for you, you might have felt more comfortable because it was one localized area. Um, but just thinking about and and because it was in one spot and you had kind of had somebody give you the roadmap, so to speak. But, um, you know, the, I kind of always feel like that's kind of one of those do not try this at home kind of uh, things that somebody would say, like, or even even on the on commercials, when you see the person driving really fast on the course, they always have under there. This is a, a trained driver. Please do not <laughs> yeah. try this at home kind of thing. Um, but I, I mean, so I've heard people say sometimes it's better to be lucky than good. And I think that this is it's great that it has worked out for you. Um, but you are probably in the very, very small majority of people who kind of have been able to sustain yourself, you know, by being able to do that. I would think of all kinds of things like, how do you know you got the right sheets or needles or what have you? Like, how do you know? There are some of those little nuances, I guess, that you guys get in formal training. Um, and the other part is, do you always need the same thing every time? And and could it be that for as great as you feel, could you feel better if you had someone else who was actually doing that for you occasionally? And that's just these are all just things that are coming out of my head as we are as I'm listening to you share. Well, that's one problem. There is no acupuncturist in Cusco, Peru. Ah, got it. Well, that makes it easy. <laughs> yeah, and I also do cupping which helps tremendously, and I bleed the cupping also. Well, yeah, I know, you know, I know, and I know, Jersey, you do, you have cupping available in your, in your practice as well, don't you? I do. I don't do bleeding cupping. That is a, um, you know, he's doing it at home with his own cups, obviously. You know, I, when I do cupping, I have sterilization techniques and things like that. Uh, yes, right. they, they have all kinds of ancient therapies, including bloodletting. It's not something I do. It's just something that has been done before. But, you know, bloodborne pathogens kind of a thing. So we try to stay away from that. But they sell, you know, cupping sets on Amazon now. You can do they it. They sell for everything yourself. on Amazon. Yeah. Now. Come on now. <laughs> yeah. You can get just about anything on Amazon these days. Oh, and I bet you could get a speculum. I am almost certain I could. <laughs> I could probably get metal or I could get plastic. It's hard mm-hmm. to do your own pap smear, though. <laughs> yeah, this that too would be ill-advised. I would not encourage anybody to You don't to, hear to people doing that. that a lot. Yeah. No. Well, I mean, Robert, thank you so much for your call. This has really been um, it, an interesting and enlightening conversation. Um, and I wish you the best of luck. Um, I guess it's kind of when you know that you're going somewhere and they don't have what you need. Um, it sounds like your your injuries before had really been kind of debilitating and limiting, and I know you're going to need need good knees and a good back if you're out there in Peru. So good luck to you, and thanks so much for your call. You hear that? It's time for us to take our next break of the hour. This is Southern Remedy for Women, and we are talking about acupuncture. We'll be right back after this.
This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. You are listening to the Interhemispheric Intercontinental Southern Remedy for Women where we address issues of health and wellness from a woman's perspective. And have people calling from Peru asking questions. All over. Thanks, Robert. We are super on the map now because of that. Um, We are talking about um, acupuncture, and we are joined by Jerusha DeGroote-Stevens. Why did that not want to come out? Um, Who is a licensed acupuncturist, and she is breaking it down, ladies and gentlemen, on how this thing works and many of the different applications for acupuncture. Do you think that acupuncture might be right for you? Have you had um, a good experience with acupuncture? Are you considering acupuncture? Give us a call. Our phone lines are open. That number is one eight seven seven mpb ring one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. If you don't have the little num the little letters on your phone, um, Allie, we had talked earlier about um, something during the during the break. Um, I guess it was a couple of segments ago that that I really thought was very important. A good point. You're so introspective. Oh my gosh! And thank I you just so much. appreciate like the way that you approach some of the the topics and and love fest part two. I know, right? It continues. The love. Will you continues. call me later and keep telling me these things. <laughs> yeah, I, I would just record it and I'll, play it back. I feel like. Um, and Wyatt alluded to this too. There's a lot, a lot of push more than ever uh, for complementary therapies, and complementary therapies come in many different shapes and sizes. I mean, we heard our last caller talk about the different things that he's involved in, um, but a lot of things around um, supplements, uh, taking vitamins, and things like that, which are fine. I don't want supplement people to call and start hating on me. That that's all great, but we do know that take even things that sound very natural or are vitamins that we have taken our whole lives in the multivitamin, et cetera, taken in excess can be quite dangerous. Like even like let's say vitamin D, if you take it in excess, it's fat soluble, it sticks around your body for a long time, you can have effects of that. And then supplements taken together can interact with each other. They can interact with medications you're taking that are prescribed. A lot of patients um uh, don't think to mention to their physicians when they ask them what medications they're taking. Sometimes they'll leave those off. Yeah, that's the thing. Um, and, you know, just because something is natural and comes from a tree or a plant, there are, you know, arsenic is natural, right? And there are, like, the the taxol-containing thera- uh, chemotherapy- chemotherapies are from a plant. So being from a plant, we all know there are poisonous plants that doesn't ensure safety. So one of the things that I really like about acupuncture is that it's not something staying around in the body. It's not something you have to ingest. Uh, there's not going to be a toxicity involved. I get a little, par- I get worried about people who take a lot of things that I can't even pronounce. So, you know, th- I really like acupuncture as a complementary therapy because you go in for the session and then it's done. People spend a lot of money on on supplements. That's if you think about absolutely. it, so, oh, supplements sure. are very expensive. So yeah. if you think people might think, "Ooh, that's expensive to go have acupuncture," well, think total up all that stuff in your medicine cabinet. Um, these things that you're taking, that's probably pretty expensive too, right? Shakes and pills and things like that. Oh yeah, and I mean, and a lot of them, you know, if you go just 
take a trip to your local um, drugstore and just walk down that supplement aisle. I mean, even, I mean, whether it's regular multivitamins, not the real fancy, flashy ones, but if you think about that, another thing that's really big um, was is weight loss and weight loss supplements. And many of those have have given me a little bit of sticker shock when I've been just kind of meandering about the aisleways as well. Cause, um, so yeah, I think, you know, there definitely are financial barriers that exist with respect to just about any kind of health care. Um, we have to acknowledge that. Um, but at the same time, uh, people also sometimes will, they will make some adjustments to be able to um, receive the therapies or care that they that they believe in the most. And sometimes it is that it may be something that is a little bit more affordable that still helps you to kind of investigate or to try to achieve a certain goal. Um, but I, I definitely think that there are times when people will also go to great lengths and make great sacrifices in order to be able to to have what they want. And maybe you don't need so much because I remember when I came to see you for my plantar fasciitis, you said it'll come three times. Mm -hmm. So, you know, you mentioned quitting smoking and people coming, you know, multiple times a week and this carrying on for a long time. And people probably thought, oh, if you go once, they're going to rope you in to keep coming. But that is not the case, correct? Um, What is what is the usual, you know, when do you see people kind of for life or the coming every week and things like that? Sure. So, yeah, I'm really results oriented. So, you know, I want you to get better and I want you move on with your life. It's not like I'm trying to keep you. Um, Some people choose to incorporate it into their their healthcare. I do have weekly patients. I do have monthly patients. It helps them feel like they are contributing to their wellness. But that is a personal decision. Most people start out coming to me, like you said, come three times. If it is not helpful at all, don't keep coming. If you are getting some improvement, then we may need to see you a few more times. But my idea is to get you on the road and get you better and keep moving along. But if you choose to incorporate it into your health care, that is something that is not done as much in Western medicine. And it's one of the things that we want to help people understand to contribute to your longevity and quality of life. You may think about reducing your stress and on a regular basis, having acupuncture can help aid with that. It is a compliment. This is not emergency medicine. We are not saving lives. We are trying to help with the quality of life. And so certain, certainly, It's not as kind of labor intensive as some therapies out there in that you have to come so much that you feel, you know, like it's a part time job. So what we want to do is to try to make it accessible and uh, to speak to the issue with the supplements. You know, whenever I see a new patient, I'm always looking at their their um, prescriptions and we get a lot of complicated cases with acupuncture not anyone is coming in the door that's perfectly healthy and so with that in mind you know we really want to be mindful of things that may you know for instance potentiate a blood thinner there are herbs there are supplements that can potentiate that and we do not want to add insult to injury and that is a great way to just incorporate acupuncture so we don't muddy the water on what might be good or bad for this patient. Because like you said, you know, we're applying this to the body. 
And then we remove the needles and they are able to go about their day and we don't have to worry about it interacting or having some contraindication with things that they're already doing. And one thing that I do is I ask patients to bring in their bag of supplements and I lay them out and I say, what's this for? What's this for? What's this for? And if they can't tell me, they need to quit taking it. These are supplements, obviously, not prescriptions. And so if you have accumulated a bag of supplements and you can't think, hmm, that one's for this, this, or this, then you may want to eliminate it. It seems not very smart to me to continue to spend money and organizational skills on taking the supplement when you don't even know what it's for. Um, So that's just kind of a word to the wise. And I like a simple approach as well. And acupuncture may seem complicated, but it's the essence of simplicity as far as I'm concerned, whenever it comes to how it translates in the body. Well, I think those are really good points. And I think, um, you know, what you said about when you, if you don't know why you're taking it, because the other thing is, if you're just taking something and you don't know why you're taking it, the other issue of potential interactions, because you might have something else that happens and you have to take another medication or you need to do something else. And so you need to be able to understand, A, why you're taking something and then B, how it might interact with other things. But the other part, that's something that could be applied not just to supplements. That can be applied to your regular medicines. Not if you don't know what it's for, don't take it. But if somebody has given it to you, then you should know what you're taking Mm -hmm. it for. And here's the thing. There should be no shame. If you don't know what it's for, just ask the doctor. Ask your doctor. Hey, you know, I I went to go pick up the prescriptions or you sent me these three medicines. Now, what exactly is each one of them for? I mean, that's that's part of our job. That's part of the responsibility. The pharmacist, too, right? Yeah. And the pharmacist as well. Mm -hmm. Um, And so it's really important that you... A, not only know what medicines you're on, and some people have a lot of medicines, and it's hard to keep them all straight. Um, it's great if you know the names of the medications. Sometimes those words are hard to pronounce or whatever. Nobody cares if you pronounce them right. We get, I mean, it's just know what you're on. Um, know, and sometimes the best you can say is, you know, the little pink pill or the little yellow pill with the splitter. It's an oval-shaped green pill, whatever. But just knowing what you take and, and why you take it is really important. And it helps you to be able to really take control and be a full partner with your health, with your clinical team. Um, because then you're coming to the table armed with knowledge that can be very important and very helpful um, as you're talking about your overall health care. And Jerusha, while you may not be saving lives, enhancing people's lives is a big thing. I think, you know, people probably expend a whole lot more resources, effort and energy in things that enhance their lives than they do in those things that necessarily yeah, save them. There's a lot between alive and dead. Indeed. There's, gray, right? Indeed. <laughs> there's so much more gray in between those two extremes. So we're going to go to the phone lines and hear from Carol, who's calling us from Ripley. Good morning, Carol. Hi. I'm the program, but I have a question. Uh, I have the alpha gal, which is a meat allergy from a tick bite. Mm -hmm. And my nephew also has it. And he has a friend who had a really extreme case of it. He had acupuncture. And now he is eating meat like crazy. (laughs) It has no reaction. So how does that work? 
Well, acupuncture can treat allergies. I am familiar with this um, allergy that develops after a tick bite. It is relatively uncommon, but in a place like Mississippi, tick bites happen frequently. But it's sad when a hunter has this happen. But I have definitely heard about that before. So um, all that to say is that it sounds like a young person that may have been experiencing this. And I do think that young people can recover from allergies differently than adults. And perhaps the acupuncture uh, helped to treat that reaction in his body. Um, and I, I'm not familiar enough with how that acupuncture has treated that child. But my guess is that uh, it helped with inflammation to be able to kind of help his immune system self-regulate rather than be uh, in a high uh, reactive mode. But it's great news. It sounds like he kind of moved through that allergy, like some kids will have asthma whenever they're young and they kind of grow out of it. So it may have been in conjunction with him aging. Um, I I feel like that's my best answer for you because I'm not as familiar with treating that specifically, but I'm glad to hear that he can eat his meat now. This was a 40-year-old guy in his 40s, and they did uh, three needles in his ear, and I think they left them there for more than a day, Mm -hmm. And uh, but now he seems to be cured of the alpha-gal, so um, I, I just wasn't sure it works like that to cure something like that, which is a blood disease, I guess, or a blood allergy or something. Yeah, I'm not familiar with that treatment, but I'm glad that he's recovered. Awesome. Carol, thank you so much for sharing that story. And just for um, for the folks in our listening uh, audience who may not have ever heard of this, um, alpha-gal syndrome is actually a blood allergy to red meat and other products that um, are made from mammals. And so the tick, the specific tick, you know, and, and obviously I'm looking at Allie because I'm like, when we had microbiology um, in medical yeah, school, we learned yeah. about all of these different um, vectors and other kinds of um ticks and other random parasites and things that could infect people. But this comes from um, a Lone Star tick. Oh, a Texas so, tick. A, well, yeah, but and it's predominantly in the southeastern United States. So, go. I mean, that's us. Um, but anyway, Lone Star Tick primarily in the southeastern United States, and it basically gives you, you know, a, a allergy-based reaction um, to the um, to the sugar mole- to the sugar molecule that gets um, put into the body at the time of the tick bite. So, hmm. just to kind of share that. I'd not heard of that. I learned something today from Carol. Thank you, Carol. Absolutely. I don't want to get Here's another reason why I freak out when one of my kids has a tick bite. Well, add it to the list. Yeah, the number again, one eight seven seven mpb ring That's one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. Our phone lines are still open, and we are down to the last few minutes of uh, today's broadcast. So if you have a question or a comment, you can squeeze it in real quickly. Um, otherwise, uh, Jerusha, tell us a little bit about what what a qualified provider in acupuncture looks like how do you know or how can you how do you know that 
the person who is holding themselves out to be an acupuncturist or whatever has the appropriate um, training. Sure. So if you're if you're looking for an acupuncturist in Mississippi, uh, simply licensed acupuncturist and the state will cover all your bases. So you don't have to do any extra digging because when the medical board licenses acupuncturists, they have to go through a thorough background check and application process. That application process depends upon what's called the National Certification Commission for Acupuncture and Oriental Medicine, which is essentially our national board. So I sat for, an, <clears throat> for a national board, and that is used as the benchmark for licensure. And then what is, I know you're probably going to roll your eyes when I say this, what is dry needling? And what, how do you compare that? Because I, I heard someone yesterday tell me they were getting dry needling sure. for their hip. Sure. So dry needling is um, is acupuncture. It is typically practiced by physical therapists, and they are <clears throat> using it for musculoskeletal uh, tightness and ropiness to be able to help release that area of tightness. They treat very differently than licensed acupuncturists, which is more holistic. <clears throat> and um, so dry needling typically will go into a muscle group specifically and uh, they'll do some manipulating of the needle. It's a little more aggressive than your regular acupuncture and that elicits a, a twitch response from the muscle to help it let go or release, which also brings in a lot of um, uh, blood flow. Acupuncture does essentially the same thing or the way that I practice it does, except it, it's it's a little more gentle, but with a PT, they are incorporating that into other methods of physical therapy. And so it's, they, I don't think that they retain the needles for very long or whatnot. I, I will say I'm a bit biased. PTs go through a lot of training to become a physical therapist, and then they add on their training for dry needling. So is there such thing as wet needling? Okay, oh. so yes, oh. because it's an injection. Oh, so oh, they're injecting. See. They're not injecting anything. Yeah, they're actually. not injecting anything. So they've kind of renamed and repackaged acupuncture. Yeah. I gotcha. To make it sound maybe more uh, Western. That's right. <laughs> hmm. Okay. Well, um, I think that was that was actually a great question because I didn't, I didn't know the difference. And I didn't know that wet needling really existed, but it would kind of make sense if you got dry that there would probably be a wet needle as well. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Trisha, we're down to the the end of our show. That music means that it's time for us to go. Can you tell our listening audience how they can get in touch with you before we sign off? Sure. Uh, we are on social media. So if you like Instagram or Facebook, you can find us at Sprouted Heart Acupuncture, heart like the organ. Acupuncture is difficult to spell, but it should autofill. And uh, my clinic is in Flowood across from Primo's. It's uh, Sprouted Heart Acupuncture. <laughs> And wellness, and I'm also at Paradigm Beyond Infertility, which is uh, very close by on Flowood in Flowood on Lakeland Drive. Awesome! Thank you so much for being with us, guys. Today's Southern Remedy was produced and engineered by Jay White, who is also our call screener extraordinaire. With Dr. Allie Brown, I am Dr. Michelle Owens. Thank you so much for being with us. Join us next Friday, same time, same bat station for Southern Remedy for Women. NPR is here now. Is next on MPB Think Radio. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast.